Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. Well, this morning is Easter Sunday. Um, As you know, as we all know, we are in an unprecedented time of difficulty and uncertainty, a time of social distancing, sheltering at home, which is why I'm speaking to an empty room right now and hopefully many faces online. And it's all due to an insidious little virus that is causing a lot of challenges and a lot of pain and a lot of devastation in different parts of our country and our world. And so No matter who you are, you have a level of concern, maybe a level of sadness, disappointment, disillusionment, fear, worry for the future. If you've watched the news at all, unemployment is on the rise, and it's an uncertain time. And here we are, Easter morning, April 12th, 2020, not the Easter that we might have planned for or imagined a few months ago, not the Easter that we had last year or maybe any Easter in our lives. And my hope and my aim today is to give you all a huge dose of good news, of actually great news, incredible news. And you might be thinking, Joe, are you disconnected from the world? Do you not have television or the internet? Do you not know what is happening? I do know what is happening. But the news I have to share with you this morning transcends any difficulty that will ever be known in humanity, in the history of our civilization. Here's the news. Hope is alive this morning. Hope is alive and well. If you're with others, tell them. Hope is alive. If you're by yourself, text someone. Tell them hope is alive. And this is not just a feel-good sentiment. It's not just a nice idea to encourage us this morning. No, this reality is concrete. It's bedrock. It is rock-solid. See, hope is alive because Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus conquered the power of sin and the power of death, the power of the grave, and rose from the dead. And because he rose, hope is alive. We can have hope this morning because Jesus is alive. He is alive and well. And today we're going to look at that reality and we're going to look at the implications of that reality. It's not just enough to know that he is alive, but we're going to see why that is such a big deal, such a hope-filled reality for all of us this morning. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke 24. It should be on your screen. Luke 24, verses 1 through 8. But on the first day of the week, 
at early dawn, they went to the tomb. These are some women that were very dear to Jesus. Taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they went in, they did not find a body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men, two angels, stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and then on the third day he would rise. And they remembered these words. The first point of our message today is this. We have hope because Jesus is alive. We have hope because Jesus is alive. Listen to this verse from 1 Peter chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, to be made spiritually alive to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have hope because Jesus is alive. And to understand what is happening, let's go in reverse order for a moment. Let's go back to the Christmas account. What is Christmas all about? Christmas is all about God becoming man. Jesus, the baby, was born into this world. He came into this world fully God and became a human. And then he grew up. And as he grew up, unlike you and I, he was perfect in every way, in his thoughts, in his words, in his deeds, in his actions. And then in his earthly ministry, which began in his late 20s, he preached and proclaimed the kingdom of God and he did great acts, miraculous acts. He healed people. He restored broken relationships. He, he rearranged people's lives that were enslaved to all kinds of sin. He freed people that were demon-possessed. He did all kinds of miracles. And then it brings us to Good Friday that we just celebrated. He was wrongly tried for crimes he did not commit. He was crucified between two criminals and he hung and he died suspended between heaven and earth for the sins of the world. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. The Apostle Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ, that is the title for Jesus being the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. 
See, remember, right before the crucifixion, Jesus was beaten, mocked, and whipped brutally. He then was suspended on this horrific, torturous device that we call the cross. And he was hung there with two other men who were guilty as charged. And those men mocked him and railed against him. But while they hung there, the one man hanging there, moments away from an eternity in hell, comes to faith in Christ. His eyes are open to the reality of Jesus. And he calls out to Jesus and he recognizes Jesus for who he truly is. And he turns to Jesus. And Jesus saves him. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in a moment. But as he hung and he died on the cross, he did so for our sins. The Apostle Paul says it this way. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ, Jesus, died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Here's the incredible reality. Jesus died for all of our sins in all their many colors. The really bad ones we think of and the ones that we might not think are so bad. He died for them all when he hung on the cross. He really died. He was put in a grave. He was buried. He was dead. But today, this morning, hope is alive because Jesus did not stay dead. Look at Mark chapter 16. When Sabbath had passed, this is a a parallel account to our account in Luke. Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they may go and anoint him. So these dear women who loved Jesus, who Jesus loved dearly, they were preparing on Saturday to bring spices and anoint him in his death. Mary Magdalene, you might remember from the Bible, was a woman who had seven demons delivered from her. Jesus had set her free. So I want you to imagine if you're these ladies who love Jesus, put their hope in Jesus. They're they're doing the right thing by going to his grave. But they would have gone in great despair, in great grief, with great disappointment. And they were in for the surprise of their life. Let's read our main passage again. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But they went in. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, to their surprise. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel, two angels. And as they were frightened, 
they bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you when he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of simple men, be crucified, and on the third day rise? And they remembered. See, they assumed they were going to see their dear friend, the one they had hoped in, dead, lying there. And to their incredible amazement, he was no longer there. The angels announced, he has risen. He is alive. He is not dead. He is alive and well. He is risen from the dead. See, if you're new to Christianity, or even if you've been a Christian for a long time, the resurrection is so key to our salvation. It is so key to our present day life of following Jesus. It is so key to so many realities that we celebrate and enjoy as Christians. We're going to look at those in a moment. But I want to settle once for all. The resurrection was indisputable. It was a real thing that really happened that has massive implications for us. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthian Christians the following. Chapter 15, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. See, Jesus' dying and rising from the grave fulfilled Old Testament promises and predictions. And then He appeared to Cephas then to the twelve, now listen to this, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep or some have died. In other words, what the Apostle Paul is saying is there were more than 500 eyewitnesses that saw the risen Christ, that saw him Bodily alive from the dead. Scars in his hands and his feet. I mean, I want you to think about this for a moment. If you have one trusted eyewitness, for many of us, that is enough. If I lived in the time of Jesus and my wife Mary told me, not only did Jesus die, but I saw him and he rose from the dead. I would believe her because I trust her. She's a trusted eyewitness. If all of you who are part of Saving Grace Church saw with your own eyes the risen Christ, and you told me we all saw him, all of you saw him, it would be indisputable. I would believe you because you are trusted eyewitnesses. See, the resurrection really happened. And it's hugely important 
for us as human beings. That is a real reality. One other evidence that I think is very persuasive for me is the 11 disciples plus the Apostle Paul all encountered the risen Christ and for decades devoted their lives to preaching the good news of Jesus. See, if it was a hoax or a scam, or if they were scammers, or if Jesus was a scammer, they would have just faded away like every other fraud known to man throughout history. They would have shrunk away. But no, these men risked their lives, and according to church history, most of them died for their faith in Jesus. It really happened. And he rose from the dead. Now you might be thinking, okay, so what? Why does it matter? What's the big deal? What does that have to do with me today, April 12th in 2020? Oh, it has so much to do with you, which brings us to the second point. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we have hope for our daily lives. We have hope for our present day life and situation. I'm going to try to persuade you of a number of really important realities. Because he rose from the dead, we have the hope of the absolute forgiveness of our sins. Let me say that again. We have the hope of the absolute forgiveness of our sins. There's nothing theoretical about the resurrection. It's not just something to talk about, something fun to speculate about, something to watch on the History Channel and watch smart people debate if it happened or not. No, it's something you need it to be true. You personally need the resurrection to be true. Well, why? Why would I say that? Because you and I and every human being, except for Jesus, has broken God's perfect law. Let me just give you a little test for your Easter morning. Have you ever lied? Little lie, big lie. Have you ever had a sinful thought? Have you ever stolen something? Have you ever been dishonest? Have you ever judged your fellow human being? Have you ever had a lustful thought, a self-righteous thought? Have you ever been unkind to someone? Have you ever been selfish ever in your life? I think you get the point. We all have broken God's perfect standard. Every single one of us. And so, we need a substitute. We need someone who can pay for our debt of sin. We need someone who can cancel our debt of sin. We need someone who has paid for our sins. And there's only one who could do it. Because he would have to be perfect. He would have to be a human. And he would have to be God. And he would have to die. But he'd have to not stay dead. So that we know he paid for our sins and he could conquer Not just sin, but death. And so Jesus did all of that. Listen to this. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 
For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, when Jesus rose from the grave, it guaranteed that the payment for our sins was accepted. That divine exchange that this verse talks about, that Jesus took our place. His, our sins were credited to him. His righteousness was credited to us. It exchanged. God the Father looked on Jesus and punished him for our sins. God the Father looks on us if we've turned from our sins and trusted in him as covered by Jesus' perfect obedience and righteousness. And we know God the Father accepted the payment because Jesus rose from the grave. So, the resurrection is key, crucial, for the reality that our sins can be forgiven. So if you have turned from your sins and you've trusted in Jesus, I have great news for you this morning. All your past sins Your present sins and your future sins have been paid for in full by the blood of Jesus Christ. Every single wrong that you have done, if you are in Christ, has been paid for. Listen to what the psalmist says. Psalm 103. He does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Your debt of sin has been paid for by the risen Christ. You are forgiven. You are free from the penalty of the law. That is good news for you this morning. That is incredible news. That is a news that has eternal significance. You are loved and forgiven by the living God. I don't know if you all have seen or participated in, but kind of spreading through social media has been the thing where you put your senior pictures up from however many years ago you graduated. I graduated in 1994. And the idea is to do so in kind of sharing in the the disappointment with the seniors that are not able to be in school right now. Well, last night, my wife and I put our senior pictures up. She put mine up. And I noticed a couple things as I looked at my picture that I, I don't really look at very much. Had a goofy haircut. Had a lot more hair. And when I looked at the kid that I was looking at, the 17-year-old Joe Ryer, here's what I remembered. I remembered the morning I took that picture. I remember my mom picked me up at my friend John's house. We had indulged in another night of partying. 
I was enslaved to all kinds of things that come with that lifestyle. I remember how empty and hopeless and helpless I felt. I remembered how enslaved I was to the power of sin. I couldn't wiggle out. I couldn't get free. And for two more years, I kept adding more sins to my account until I met Jesus at the age of 19. And I came to this reality that if I turn from my sins and I receive the free gift of salvation, all my debt was canceled. And that news has forever changed my life. 24 years later, I am so excited to tell you the good news of Jesus. It is real, and because of the resurrection, we have hope. No matter what life brings us, you have hope and freedom and forgiveness. And this verse is true for you, if you are a Christian. Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no eternal punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus. That 17-year-old picture I looked at, he was an object of God's holy wrath. I had several close calls with dying because of my foolishness at that time, and I would have experienced punishment in eternity, in hell forever. But God interrupted. And the hope of the risen Christ became real to me. And Jesus rescued me. See, not only do we have hope of the forgiveness of sin, but we have the hope of the inseparable love of Christ. No matter who you are, no matter how unlovely or unlovable you feel, you are deeply and dearly and passionately loved by the risen Christ and by God the Father who sent Him and by God the Holy Spirit who dwells in every one of His children. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God loves the world in all its rebellion, in all its opposition to Him, in all its rejection of Him, God loves the world so much, He gave His one and only precious Son, Jesus. And when we trust in Him, we have eternal life. That eternal life begins the moment you trust in Him. And that love can never be taken away. Romans 8 says this, For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Nothing, 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 nothing 
can separate you from the love of God if you've trusted in Jesus. It's inseparable. It's unbreakable. He is so for you. Do not gauge your feelings or your circumstances to see if God loves you. Let's just be honest. There are times I'm not lovable. I'm not real cuddly. There are times I'm more like a porcupine than a teddy bear. And even at those worst moments, the risen Jesus loves me dearly and loves you dearly. My prayer and preparation for this message is that this issue would be settled once for all in your mind and heart. Jesus loves you so, so, so very much. The Apostle Paul, who was responsible for the death of Christians before he became a Christian, wrote this in the book of Galatians. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I live by faith in Jesus, who loved me. And he gave himself for me. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for you. When he rose from the grave, he rose for you, for his bride, for all who would ever call on him. See, the hope of the resurrection has so many practical benefits. Let's just hear a couple more. Because Jesus rose, we have the present hope of a real, powerful, spiritual life. Becoming a Christian isn't just turning over a new leaf. No, something happens inside of us. First Peter, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've been made spiritually alive if Jesus is your Lord and Savior. Listen to this from Ephesians. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead, spiritually flatlined in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. God made you alive. If you are a Christian, God's Spirit is beating strong inside your soul. You are alive. Hope is alive in you. Because Christ died and rose, the Holy Spirit can dwell in you. That is reason to celebrate this morning. Because you've been made spiritually alive, we have the hope that we have been empowered to change. You can change. Real behavioral change is possible. It is God's will for you because the Holy Spirit dwells in you. Came across this article this week. I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to feel bad for a second, but I'll encourage you in a moment. Can't see you, but raise your hand if you've kept your New Year's resolution. Keep it nice and high. I'll just picture it in my mind. You've kept it perfectly. Well, if you have, you're part of the 20% of United States citizens who have kept their New Year's resolution by mid-February. 
So you're actually doing a little bit better. You might be in the 10 percentile. Let me just read a little blip from this article. If you're one of those rare people who actually achieved your New Year's resolution, congratulations. Seriously, you are rare indeed. According to U.S. News and World Report, the failure rate of New Year's resolutions is said to be about 80%. And most lose a resolve by mid-February. If this is true, it's clear that there is nothing wrong with us. The problem is in the tradition itself. So the stats are interesting. I part ways with the author on, on her last sentence. If this is true, she says, it's clear that it's nothing wrong with us. The problem is with the tradition itself. So it's a little bit of a longer article. She goes on to argue that the whole problem can't be us, can't be our ability to lack self-control and, and keep a commitment. No, it has to be with the very concept itself. So she's going to make an argument. You should just pick a word for the year. And that should be your motivation. Well, here's the good news for us, for me and for you. God has a lot more for us than a word for the year. See, God's Spirit came inside of us and you became new. And He's going to transform you, mind and soul, from the inside out. So what we need is not just external change, but we need change that gets at our deep heart level. 2 Corinthians 5 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If you are in Christ, God is using creation language to describe you. The same language that spoke galaxies into existence, the same God who did that is the one who made you spiritually new. Now you look in the mirror and you look like the old you. Maybe an older version. But you're new. Something fundamental has changed inside of you. The old you has passed away. If anger is your besetting sin, or worry, or fear or lust, or enslavement to substances. You, the old you, died. It's crucified with Christ, the Bible says. And a new you is being worked out. And it will be worked out slowly over time. And it's made possible because Jesus rose from the grave. Romans 6 says this. We were buried, therefore, with him, by the baptism into his death. It's not talking about water. It's talking about spiritual immersion, the connection we have, the union we have with Christ when he died and rose. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. See, Christ's resurrection, Easter Sunday, the hope that is alive that we are celebrating makes Impossible for us to walk in newness of life, to not be so enslaved to fear, to worry, to anger, to irritation, to resentment, to bitterness, to whatever tangles you up and cuffs you again. No, Jesus rose. You can walk in newness of life.
The Holy Spirit in us is so far more powerful than the latest self-help book, than another strategy. I'm not against planning and strategies, and if you know me well, you know I set goals, and I, I have strategies, and I, I try things. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But the hope I have is Christ in me, the Holy Spirit inside of me. And it's like going out into a lake in a sailboat, putting the sail up, setting it up, and then we wait. And then the wind comes and gives us power and strength that we do not possess in and of ourselves naturally. And that's what the Holy Spirit does as He transforms us and changes us and makes us more like Jesus. So we have hope for today because Jesus died and rose. And lastly, we have hope for the eternity that awaits us. We have hope for the eternity that awaits us. If you know Jesus, your citizenship is not in the U.S. or whatever country you were born in. Your ultimate citizenship is in heaven. And you're going to go there. You're going to be there forever. And because Jesus rose from the dead, he secured the reality that we will go there with him. Listen to Jesus' own words from John chapter 6. All the Father gives me will come to me. That's the whole bride of Christ. Every Christian that will ever trust in Jesus. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast away. If you come to Jesus, he's not going to tell you to leave. He's going to, like an emergency room doctor or nurse, he's going to clean you up. He's going to bring you in. He's going to make you healthy and whole. For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall not lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. You're going to make it to heaven. You're going to make it to an eternity with the risen King Jesus. You have his personal commitment that he will get you there. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. No matter the depth of your internal struggles with sin or physical health issues or mental health issues or the combination of all those plus external pressures, if you are in Christ Jesus, you will safely arrive in eternity with Him. Guaranteed. He will not lose any that belong to him. He is the ultimate sheep farmer. If one gets tangled up, gets lost, leaves the hole, he'll go after us and he'll walk us there. He'll pick us up and carry us so that we safely get to the destination, which is an eternity with him. Jesus secured your salvation when he rose from the grave. Now listen to this. Listen to what awaits all who call on the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Hope is alive and well, and this 
is what awaits you if you've trusted in him. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. Listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Every heartache, every pain. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, no sadness, no grief, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. It will be washed up. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. As he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Because Jesus rose from the dead, Hope is alive. Tell your friends, tell your family, look at them right now, tell them hope is alive. Go on Facebook, go on Instagram, say hope is alive. Back to our original passage, Luke 24, verse 6. May this give you joy today. The angel's words, he is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. Remember, because Jesus rose from the grave, hope is alive and well. Let's pray. And then I'll have a few announcements for us. Father, you tell us in your word that we are sojourners. We are passing through this world to a much better one that awaits us. Holy Spirit, would you please minister? Would you care for? Would you encourage? Would you build up and strengthen every single person who is watching this? For those who are getting weary, Give them endurance. Give them the gift of endurance and perseverance. For those who are strong, give them a heart for those who are weaker to encourage and to build up. For those who are weak and on the brink of despair, fill them with the faith that you have them completely. That you'll just carry them for a while if they can't do anything. And it's your joy to do so. Lord, we love you. We thank you that hope is alive. And we ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Well, just a few announcements. If you're looking for a church family, go to our website, sgcindianapa.org, and go to the service and meeting page and fill out the connect card so we can get in touch with you and answer any questions you might have. And you can also, on that same page, sign up for our weekly newsletter that we send out every Friday. 
Also, for anyone who's interested, we have a prayer meeting tonight at 7 p.m. through Zoom. And then we also have prayer meetings Tuesday and Thursday at 10 a.m. and then Sundays at 7 p.m. So tonight it will be happening, 7 p.m. That will be led by Mark Altrogi, one of our pastors. And then just a reminder, uh, we have a women's Bible study on Zoom on Saturday at 9 a.m., continuing through the book of Ephesians. And every Sunday morning before worship and the message, we have a Zoom Bible study and we will be studying Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 26. And if you haven't participated, it's not too late. You're welcome to jump in. And this week, like the last few weeks, we're going to have SG Connect live at 7 p.m., uh, both Tuesdays and Thursdays. And if you have any ideas, any subjects you want us to kick around and look at and study, um, text us 724-717-3167. And for those who have kids, um, Melissa McCracken, our children's ministry director, is continuing to update our children's ministry resources for your kids every week. Have a great Sunday. Happy Easter. And I'm going to say this until I see you face to face. I can't wait to the day that we're all back in the same place together.